0: Welcome to When Belief Dies, a podcast honestly reflecting on faith, religion, and life. Hey, listen, I want to ask you to do two things. The first one is Would you go over to Apple Podcasts, search for When Belief Dies, and leave us a five star rating and review? Every rating and review on Apple Podcasts helps to boost the visibility, and we want listeners like you to be able to find this show. The second thing is Would you consider supporting this show on Patreon? This show will always be an ad-free place, but your support on Patreon will enable us to do more and more over the coming years, so have a think, and if you can, support the show. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of When Belief Dies. My name's Sam, and today I'm joined by Erin. Erin, how's it going?
1: Good, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, doing really well, thank you. Um there's no Dave, sadly. He's got um he's got a life to to to, to live and we're recording this on a Saturday <laughs> evening here in the UK. Um but for you over in the US, um it's um eleven, is that right?
1: Yes, I'm actually I'm Canada.
0: Canada, sorry, I literally <laughs> said the US, I thought to myself, shit. I'm I really have close. Said Canada.
1: I'm really close, yeah. yeah.
0: But they yeah, are yeah, definitely morning. different places, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so morning over there, and how's how's it going? How how are things kind of um feeling with the whole coronavirus situation in Canada at the moment?
1: Um, I think we're doing okay up here. We have had a few um, spikes recently, so they have kind of put a few more mandates in place. Like we just got a mask mandate a couple of days ago. Uh, okay. But for the most part, people are trying their best. There's not, a, there's not the same kind of culture war <laughs> that's going on in the in the U.S. as it, In Canada, it's, a, it's a, lot, a little bit more cooperative. People are trying their best to, to flatten that curve.
0: Yeah. It's, um, it, it's really strange how like all the different nations are responding to this thing. I think, um, in, in the UK, we keep in, in the newspapers and the kind of Twitter and stuff, they keep looking over at Sweden. You've got a much more kind of relaxed attitude and thinking, why can't we be like them? Because we've, we're coming towards the end of a, of our second, like UK wide lockdown now. Um, mm. so it's been pretty crazy really.
1: Yeah. There's a few places in Canada that are, are heading into a lockdown right now in the, my area. We have, um, we're not. We're just um, being told to, like, no visitors in other people's houses right now for the next two weeks because we have had a, a bit of a jump in our cases. Um, but I, I, we just moved to a slightly smaller town, and our area in particular has been doing pretty awesome. Um, everybody's wearing masks. Everybody, there's, you know, there's a lot of cooperation going on in my area I'm really grateful for.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And hopefully, these vaccines will will work um, in the in the near future. There's definitely a lot of uh, a, a lot of people hoping for that. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Anyway, anyway, let's not let's not dwell <laughs> on coronavirus for too long. Um, I, I thought it'd be fantastic to get you on the show, really, just to kind of talk about your story. Um, I know you've done this quite a few times for a few different people. So just to say thank you and to start with for being willing to come on this podcast, it, it's it's really appreciated. And um, but just to kind of dive in, I guess, um, kind of just to hear where you came from, um, the sort of things that began to make you kind of question Christianity and kind of that final straw that that almost was the the thing that made you kind of step away.
1: Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I grew up in a small town in Canada, um, kind of in the cent- central central area. And I, I started, I actually went to a couple of different churches growing up. Both my parents were christian but they were separated um and eventually my mom did get remarried and so i actually spent my childhood going to two different churches full-time and kind of ironically they were a pentecostal church and a baptist church so completely opposite ends of the spectrum as far as the christian denominations go yeah Um, but i I did spend more time at the pentecostal church so my mom and my stepdad's church is where i kind of called home um so I, I grew up just thinking that what, everything about the Pentecostal church was very, was normal and, and probably the right way to be a Christian. So I spent a lot of time trying to save my, da- my, my dad <laughs> from his denomination. Okay. I, thought, I thought he was going to hell. I thought that um, any of my friends that weren't involved in my kind of charismatic flavor of Christianity were missing out on kind of the true faith. Um, right. Yeah so I spent a lot of time as a kid just kind of witnessing to my already Christian friends. Okay. <laughs> um yeah and and so one of the things in my home church that was heavily focused on was the the rapture. That was probably probably got talked about almost every Sunday. Okay, so, wow. A lot of people talk about the fear of hell. I had a, probably a larger fear of the rapture.
0: When you were um, when you were younger, did you ever watch the um, that that TV? I think it was books originally, but I think they made it into a TV series, the um, the Left Behind series.
1: The Left Behind series was was really popular in my church. Um,
0: okay. But even yeah.
1: even before that, there was a, a movie series that was made in the 70s, um, and the one film was called A Thief in the Night.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so my, my church actually watched that together as like a congregation. And I think I was about seven years old when um, they pulled the kids out of Sunday school and they said, okay, we're, we're going to have a group, um, like a whole church, sit down and watch this, this video together. Cause this is the most important thing. <laughs> the, That's
0: terrifying.
1: Yeah. So I think I was, I think I was about seven, maybe, maybe eight. I started having, um, really bad anxiety. I started yeah. having nightmares. I started having uh, panic attacks and it was pretty well all centered around this idea that my parents would be raptured and that I'd be left behind. And gosh. Yeah, I've got a I've got I've got a lot of bad memories from that time. Um, I was about in grade 3 or so when I would come home from school and I would I would beat my parents home from work and I would I would panic almost every day because I was alone in the house and I was like I would convince myself that my parents had been raptured so I'd call my mom at work just to make just to make sure she excuse me that she hadn't she hadn't been raptured so that dominated my childhood in a lot of ways
0: that's that's so so scary and crazy I mean I I wasn't really introduced to the idea of the rapture until I was probably about 13 14 by that point I kind of just Ignored it almost as just something people believed that just wanted to believe something. But at, at that age of kind of seven, eight, and then into kind of into later life, that's going to have a massive effect on on how you view everything, isn't it? If, if that's to be dominating your worldview, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it it really did. It, it it affected the way I saw everything around me. It affected. um I think honestly, it did affect some of my social social life as a kid. It was hard to just be a kid and hard to relax when when every Sunday you're told like this is this is a major threat and we need to stay stay um, very diligent all the time and so I'd hear that on Sundays and then I'd go back to school on Monday and I would I'd be sitting in class being like why are we learning this this isn't this isn't this isn't going to help us with our salvation (laughs) uh,
0: it
1: was it was hard to just be a kid sometimes
0: yeah absolutely I think that's I, th- I definitely noticed that and so when I when when the church I attended when I was younger um when they were showing it to me and I was kind of at 12 13 sort of age um the, the younger kids definitely became far more serious about their faith and I think a lot of the older people in church really appreciated that and I kind of I kind of wondered even then whether it was almost a t- like a tool to kind of make the younger people just fear this idea of being without god without their friends and their family and yeah it's it's a it's a terrifying position to put children in
1: i've I've spent a lot of time trying to process whether it was like an an intentional thing done to the kids in our church um Mm. i a lot of ways i think it was it wasn't i think that the pastors and the and the leaders at my church they shared it because they really they really believed that that was that was the truth and that was a major threat to us um but oh, I that's one thing I've struggled with is, is whether whether it was purposeful or not I don't think in my situation I don't think it was I think that they really did believe it um but when I think about uh, as a mom now and I have kids and and during my deconstruction uh, my daughter was about that same that same age seven seven wow. eight and I just my my kids and any kid, one of their biggest fears is being separated from their families.
0: Mm, yeah, massively.
1: Like they they don't want to they don't want to get lost in a in a mall <laughs> or left at the park. Like that's that's just kind of an, a a bit of an irrational fear that kids have, I think. Uh, and I feel like the left behind rapture kind of theology plays on that really big um, for kids and adults. Nobody nobody wants to be abandoned, and so that that was really I think a very harmful teaching.
0: Yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I kind of guess if if you have people that believe that stuff and are preaching that stuff and sharing that stuff and that's like as you mentioned like every Sunday was was the focus of of the 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 message like how can we you know be taken and kind of be be God's people or actually I think I think some people even think it's the it's the non-Christians that will get taken and and only God's people remain and then some people think it's God's people that'll get taken and only the non-Christians remain so even even like within the rapture theology there's lots of kind of contradictory ideas of of who's going and who's staying and what God's going to do which I find really weird but kind of I guess with that with that framework you kind of wonder obviously first of all kind of like you know why are they telling us this is it because they genuinely believe it where you kind of understand a little bit that they're coming from that place of I want to protect you make sure you know and and honestly tell you what's going to happen in in their opinion but also I guess there's also that kind of idea when once you've left it which is kind of what what were what were the requirements for belief that these people had that they believed in such a theology? I just find that really a bizarre idea that they, they must have had such a little um, demand for proof and justification to to have believed that that is something that could possibly happen.
1: Yeah, I the 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 qualifications for salvation is probably the trickiest part about the denomination I was in because they i felt like there was never really a clear a clear idea of what it would take to become saved Mm. and in the pentecostal denomination they they at least the one i was in they they do believe you could lose your salvation um so they preached like you can lose your salvation um even lukewarm (laughs) christians would be would be left behind um so i it i guess in a maybe a i guess it would be like if you you need to be very extreme with your faith all the time to just make sure that you're going to be taken in the rapture. <laughs> and that's a that's a there's no ceiling to that. So it's like the, how how extreme do I need to be in order to qualify? It was very very anxiety inducing. And <clears throat> as I as I got older, I would have deeper conversations with my friends who were at different churches and I think probably that was Probably the first, the first point of um, confusion for me was realizing that different churches had different mm. um, ex- uh, eschatology, and oh, trying to figure out why. How how could we all have such a different idea of what's coming up next? It's the most important thing, and yeah, I, I really I struggled with that. Um,
0: yeah. And so just, just to make sure I have it right, you were saying your mom was from the Pentecostal church and your dad was from like a different sort of denomination, was that right?
1: Yeah, so my mom and yeah. my stepdad, and they got married when I was I think four, they were in the Pentecostal denomination and my my birth dad, he attended a, a, ba- a fairly conservative Baptist church and, okay. and, and because I, I went back and forth for quite a while and then I, I would go, I would spend one Sunday at one church and one Sunday at the next and it was it was very confusing and I didn't I was too young to realize that it was different theological standings is why that why they were teaching different things, um, I kind of interpreted everything through the Pentecostal lens I think is kind of how I've described it, so yeah. in my mind the Baptist church and the more conservative churches were. Um, they were being deceived because there was a there was a heavy emphasis on spiritual spiritual warfare at my church
0: okay yeah
1: yeah that's a that's a tall order to put on a kid
0: (laughs) yeah definitely like so i um just kind of give you a bit of an idea of the sort of kind of church that i've come from um so i when i like kind of born and raised into christianity um my parents are kind of almost like Church of England or, or Anglican, so it's very um, conservative. Um, there's like a, a, a section of the Anglican church is like High Anglican, which is like kind of liturgy and kind of um, very kind of reflective, uh, reflective, but that's not really what they were. They were much more kind of like singing the sort of like modernish praise songs and you know, like Shine Jesus Shine and um, mm-hmm. all those sorts of songs. And, uh, and then kind of as time went on, I ended up moving into more and more kind of Pentecostal church and then ends up going to a Pentecostal Bible college. Uh, which oh, was very really? much quite like, heavily focused on the fruits of the spirit and kind of gifts yeah. of the spirit and manifestations of the spirit and and all this sort of stuff and I, I kind of recently began chatting to my dad again actually about kind of the whole faith stuff and how I'm kind of obviously no longer believe it to be true and and he obviously still does very much believe it to be true and he one of his observations which I think's fair is that the source of Christianity that I experienced whilst within the kind of Pentecostal circles tended more often than not to be one that was based on. The things that you did outwardly rather than what was happening inwardly and i just find that when you actually go back to the actual bible and look at it the bible definitely talks far more about what's what's on the inside is what matters mm-hmm. um you know the whole like whitewashed tombs and all this sort of stuff that, that jesus talks about with the pharisees um so i, I just i just even even find that really bizarre that, that you're kind of mentioning like you need to prove that you're that you're a real christian so that you won't get left behind and like even even in the bible itself like, jesus talks against that um it's just crazy how we can convince ourselves that god's like in this sort of really weird little box that's exactly our box, and it couldn't possibly be anything else. Uh, it's just bizarre.
1: Yeah, totally. That's ex- that, that describes my church very much. So that you had to, like, your faith was, you know, the initial point of salvation, but you really had to be um, expressing it constantly. And yeah, the fruits of the Spirit, that sort of thing, like, whatever your gifting was, you needed to be fully immersed in that gifting all the time.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. I am. Um... Mm-hmm well so I, I did three years of bible college just like a proper degree which was like certified and stuff and um it was only so I, I I've never really been one to put my hands up in the in the air when I was worshiping and stuff and I was a christian um but at obviously this bible college like 99% of people did that because it was very, very Pentecostal. It was like an Assemblies of mm-hmm. God um, Bible college. And um, it was after, after these three years had passed and we were graduating, um, one of my close friends there turned around to me and said, It's now after three years that I finally understand that you can still be a Christian and not have your hands in the air because of you, Sam. And I'm like, <laughs> As if it's taken you, A, it's taken you three years to get to that position, and B, like, it should not matter about what's going on on the outside. Like, it's just weird
1: that's interesting i i i moved away from the pentecostalism a little bit in my 20s and i went to a church where there's a little bit more uh, variety in how people worship and i always felt guilty um when i wouldn't put my hands up in the air yeah. because i'd kind of like <laughs> i'd kind of done, done that a lot in my in my youth and i i was trying to square those two things up like can i be a good christian if i'm just enjoying the music or maybe even sitting down and kind of be more reflective or do I have to stand up and put my hands up <laughs> through, throughout the whole uh, 45 minute worship uh, time or whatever.
0: It's crazy. We used to, um, we, well, I, I used to joke mainly um, that there was this sort of like set way that you should worship, which is um, for the, for the, for the, Whenever there's a song playing for the verse, you should put your left hand in the air, and then when it's the, and then when it's the chorus, it's both hands, and then when it's the bridge or middle eight, it's almost like that sort of like prayer, reflective, palms mm-hmm. up sort of worshiping, and you go back to the kind of either one hand, two hands, or or reflective, um, and you just see people just or, or jumping, maybe you swaying backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's, it's strange. I think I, I I genuinely think people just work themselves up.
1: That's a, that's actually really funny to me because I spent a lot of time analyzing analyzing as well, and and okay the hand position thing that kind of made me laugh because I used to I used to do the same thing I used to look at how people around the room and I actually I spent a lot of time looking at how the men and how the women would hold their hands differently so I would try to hold my hand like like the youth pastor's wife (laughs) or you know I was trying to look around and see what was appropriate and what was kind of expected of me by looking at the other women in the in the service that's pretty funny
0: Oh, so interesting. It's, and I, 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 did. Do you have much experience of kind of like talking in tongues?
1: Yes. Yeah, I, I, I did it and I still can.
0: <laughs> yes, me too. I can still talk in tongues, yeah. which I find extremely weird. But what I've also noticed is that my tongues sounds just like the tongues of everyone else at my Bible college when I first learned to speak in tongues. Yes. Um, And it's just like, and and even at my church, there's like a really weird sort of like, almost like a dialect or like a way of doing tongues, um, which anyone who learns tongues picks up that style of tongue talking at church. And it's just really weird that we've almost like, we just mimic or copy the person next to us and do what they're doing, maybe change it slightly. But eventually, as we get more comfortable, it just becomes the same noises. I, I I don't know what your thoughts are with that, go on.
1: I've made that same observation that i've I actually sat down and wrote out my tongues, like the syllables one time, and
0: okay. um,
1: like just really thinking about what was going on. and I, I totally made the same observation that my my tongues sounded almost identical to my mom's and further, the pe- other people in my church. so i I had spent a time, I spent a year doing kind of missionary work. and for the first six months of our team, um, we traveled all across Canada doing, Um, services and and spending a lot of time in other charismatic churches and I was about I think I was 17 or 18 and I that was the first time I noticed that different churches had different dominant sounds in their tongues okay (laughs) and it was bizarre to me I I I made that observation I just kind of put it on the shelf Um, try not to think about it too much but I totally get what you're saying
0: that's so fascinating. So I um yeah. I mean this isn't this isn't really where I thought we are gonna go, but this is great. Um <laughs> I so I did um, at, at Bible college, we had to do a different mission trip each year. So of, of all the three years, I did a different mission trip. One was to so the first year was to Aberdeen, which is in, in, in the like the, the north parts of Scotland. Um and there was a very kind of Scottish way of talking in tongues that 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 church was doing. Um and then my second year and third year, I went to Greece and then Portugal. Um and even there, the way they worshipped and the way they spoke and the way they um manifested the gifts of the Holy Spirit were were within their own sort of sphere of kind of mimicking and copying and and like the way they'd say Jesus, the way they'd kind of work themselves up. It was just a really it's just really bizarre to watch even different countries and probably, you know, just, just different areas within those countries um express themselves but so that they still fitted in like it was they're doing something that which shows that they shouldn't fit in which is talking in tongues uh, they should that should show that they're god's people but they're doing it in, in in a way that just suggests they're just trying to fit in i just found that a really that's, weird contradiction
1: that's really interesting yeah um that's really funny i i actually did missionary when i was a missionary i came to england
0: oh cool Whereabouts? <laughs>
1: um we went to England and Scotland we were supposed to go somewhere else but we ended up going to England and Scotland and I spent a couple of months there um it's been a while I'm trying to remember the names of the places oh, that cool. we were we went to like Edinburgh and yep. um oh I can't remember now I'm <laughs> sorry I
0: know it's cool Fun, <laughs> northern worry.
1: England and then we kind of worked our way down and that was another big moment of uh of kind of sparked doubt for me because um, we ran into a lot of people who who just didn't really care about our message, and I I remember they were like we like we would share the gospel with them, and then they'd be like, okay, well that's fine, and I <laughs> uh, and I was I was I was worried and, and shocked by their apathy uh, yeah. in a in a couple of the settings that we were at. I I I, I had been kind of told that our message of is of like first importance and when we share it it's going to spark something in people and and they're going to they're going to feel the conviction and and so we spent a, a lot of time doing kind of street ministry and putting on youth events and I don't think I I I never once led anybody to to Christ during that whole time
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's and it's so disappointing when you when you get back home and you you know you spend those last few weeks or whatever like reflecting on what you've been doing and why you've been doing and you kind of you almost talk yourself into point of going well hopefully i planted some seeds hopefully i've given them something to think about and eventually that they'll come into kind of fruition and it'll be okay but but if you don't see someone turn to christ there and then this like dramatic miraculous way it's very weirdly very disturbing but then we but, but we never see that, uh, but then we get talked by people who are above us, or, or we look up to, that the thing they should do, um, the, sorry, the thing that we should do is step out in faith, like, we should have the ability to step out in faith, and give it to God, and trust that he will act as we move in obedience to his word, and we do that, we don't see it, but then we still basically pretend that it happened, maybe when we don't look, it's just mm-hmm. weird,
1: it's yeah. really weird. There's a there's a whole process there to kind of console yourself when you're not, when you're not um, you don't get the expected result there's really it's a no it's a no fail kind of approach where if this happens then that that's what was supposed to happen and if it doesn't happen that's also what was supposed to happen and it's all in god's control when i when i came back from my missions team and i had felt that Kind of disappointment and disillusionment I had decided that I needed I needed to go to I went to a Pentecostal Bible college as well only for a, a year but that, the reason why I went was because I, I had I had felt a little bit of disappointment from my time as a missionary and felt like I needed maybe a better grounding in the Bible and um, so I, I went to a Bible college for a year and I thought that okay. that would help resolve my you know some of my concerns and it only made it worse.
0: So what uh, what sort of Bible college was that then?
1: Um, it it was a Pentecostal Bible college, but they they accepted people from all different denominations. It was in a lot of ways it was kind of a non-denominational, but it was funded by the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. So there, okay. I spent a lot of time in like deep conversation with people from different backgrounds, and I think that was the first time some of my some of my theology was really challenged by people from from different versions of Christianity. So I I left Bible college even more confused than when I, when I (laughs) started. Um, So after Bible college, I kind of moved away from the Pentecostalism. I think I'd had enough conversations with people um, there that I decided that, you know, Pentecostal church is, is an option and I don't think they're necessarily wrong, but I just don't think that I'm going to, continue to go to that um, denomination because i started seeing some of the problems
0: i guess moving on from that it'd be really interesting to kind of hear obviously you're talking about kind of bible college being something that made you begin to kind of question the sort of settings that you had been in within christianity so kind of and you've also mentioned that you recognized that kind of other people from other denominations hadn't questioned things like the rapture or salvation as much as you might have um, at the church that you were attending with your mum and stepdad. So kind of what 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 were the things um, that really began to kind of make you go, well, this doesn't feel quite right or this isn't really what I thought Christianity was?
1: Well, I, I actually spent like another 10 years in a kind of a more non-denominational church. And I think okay. it, was a, it was a slow burn, you know, like it was over those 10 years, I started to feel more and more, you um, like the disconnect between what I was learning in church and kind of how day-to-day life played out. Um, okay. for me, I I did struggle quite a bit with anxiety and depression. And I, I had kind of fallen into a, like a deeper bout of depression and I ended up getting some help from a counselor and, some other things that I learned in counseling and, and even there, they recommended. And I, I, I went to this little kind of psychoeducation class about cognitive behavioral therapy and I found it was helping me a lot. And I found myself feeling really like really frustrated that all those years as a Christian and all my, you know, fervent prayer and all of these, all the things I was told by people that, you know, God wants you to have peace of mind and all of these things. How come, how come that never helped me as much as some of this like modern psychology had helped me. Yeah. Um, And even some of the stuff that they, that they teach you about your own like self-worth um, hmm. they, I, I actually had a really hard time accepting it. And I, I had a, I remember having a, having a counseling session one time and, and my counselor, she she was a Christian, I believe, but she, she had asked me, like, why, why do you feel like you who made you feel guilty or who made you feel kind of like a low view of yourself? And my honest answer was, well, that's how I'm supposed to feel. That's <laughs> that was I, I'm a broken sinner. I'm, I'm a wretched, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and so I had I all of a sudden found myself at a place where I, I needed to go through and deconstruct that idea if I wanted to have an improve my mental health and so I think that's kind of where it started off for me wow I started looking into why why did the church teach me that and it was a big snowball effect um
0: yeah yeah and (laughs) and It's, it's it's one of those things which you don't you don't think it's going to happen, right? You, you don't go into it going this will be fun. It just kind of starts to happen, and you're like, oh shit, this is really painful.
1: Yeah, um, definitely. I I totally wasn't expecting it. I so I had I had figured out some of my anxiety was connected to rapture, the rapture and rapture anxiety. Okay. So I started. I remember I started. My very first thing that I looked up was. Um, like how come not everybody believes in the rapture? Because it's causing me a lot of stress. Even though I would, had moved away from that denomination that preached it, it was always in the back of my mind. Um, and so I was 10 years out of having. Really, honestly, I'd been 10 years since I'd even heard a sermon on it, but it's still something that came up for me, at least at least weekly, um, wow. in my mental health. <laughs> like it. It would just kind of sneak up on me and I'd be I'd be all of a sudden like oh I forgot and I need to I need to make sure I remember it because it's really important so the very Hmm. first thing that I I wanted to learn more about was um how did the rapture theology start and so learning about that and and reading about how that started and it was a fairly a fairly new idea um that just like knocked me off my chair like i was like i I, <laughs> I guess i had never read any kind of critical um critical work on any kind of theology um yeah it shocked me and it kind of te- sent me into a tailspin and and that sent me into a like a very deep look deep dive at at the bible and theology and and then it just kind of started to fall apart from there, one thing at a time.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the—I I definitely find that the the scary thing about it is, um actually going through it, or at least at least for me, I kind of, kind of talk about my experience. But as I was going through it, um, I realized that, especially during the winter months of the first few years of kind of going through my my deconstruction process, that I would definitely wake up and fear hell, um, and fear this judgment and this kind of condemnation and this. This thing that I once thought was so true and once felt so familiar and so like my home had gone, and I was then panicking. that I just made made up all my doubts and made up all my all my unbelief, and that actually I I had a choice to 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 not listen to myself and actually just listen to God's word and and the people that He's God's put in my life, my my friends and the pastors that I know and you know, my kind of. Um, the kind of leadership team that I was on and listen to those people instead. And then I just kind of, it, ch- it genuinely took me like a good two years to get to the point where I don't wake up and I'm, and, you know, it's two in the morning, it's pitch black. And I then think I'm, I'm, if I die now, I'm going to go to hell. And it's just taken so long to get to that stage. It's really, um, really bizarre how, how, how entrenched these things become.
1: Yeah. I find, I find that interesting that you say that it, like it bothers you the most kind of at night and in the morning, because I feel like that shows the true kind of conditioning that you go through that it's it's seeped into your subconscious almost um and then in your waking hours you can kind of you can kind of go back and kind of reason with yourself and be and you know um it dissipates like i that i, I kind of had the same experience um where when i was coming waking up in the morning or at nighttime i would have nightmares but then during the day i felt like i was okay
0: yeah hmm it's weird that isn't it like as, as soon as there's there's sun in the sky or at least it's there's you know it's, it might be a cloudy rainy day but you can see outside you can get outside you can do stuff like your mental health picks up and you, you you're you okay um I guess kind of picking on this like this mental health thread so just just so you know I've I've definitely I mean I, I have depression um I've been through it even before my, my 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 deconstruction stage or period or stuff whatever you want to call it like 10 years ago I've been suffering with mental health for a very mm-hmm. long time and and I think because i've been suffering with it for so long i found ways to cope in those dark early mornings when i was fearing hell or fearing the worst and and wondering especially and, and you've got children so you might be able to to kind of um to kind of reflect on this as well but um it, it's, it's the thought that if you're wrong in your doubts and you're falling away from god that means that how you interact with your children and, how, and what you teach them what you give them as their moral kind of values won't be on a god-based morality because you don't believe in god so if you're wrong that means they're going to hell and or they're not going to be raptured or whatever kind of terminology you want to use and that is like a a destroying feeling like it just gets into your soul and just eats away you it's ridiculous
1: yeah definitely that's probably one of my biggest criticisms i get from people who know i'm a mom they're like you know aren't you aren't you worried about your kids (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh of course of course i am but I, I'm at a point where I've, I've 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 deconstructed the idea that I think I'm I'm trying to protect my kids at this point. Like I I don't want them to fall into the same um, yeah cycles of of confusion and fear and anxiety depression. Like in my mind, there's a, there's a pretty clear link there for me with being taught those things and how it affected my mental health as I grew up. So. My kids are still, they still have influence. Um, like my, my parents are still Christian and um, there's a lot of it around us all the time. And we, we try to have pretty open conversations, especially my daughter, who's like eight. Yeah. Um, we have like pretty, pretty candid, candid conversations about it. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's your, your concern for your children is really always at the forefront of your mind as a parent
0: yeah I don't think it ever goes away and then my, my my mom and dad still tell me very much they're worried about me and I'm what I think I'm 30 almost 32 um I keep forgetting how old I am which is a sign of how old I am it's um it all blends stupid. together later <laughs> it really does like it really does it's ridiculous um and yeah they're you know they're still very much concerned about about me and I was just you know I was chatting to 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 my wife the other day and I was like even even though my boys are now uh five and two I've got to even try to remember that um I'm like I I still get up at night and just go in and make sure they're still alive and Mm -hmm. I'm like does this does this ever go and Kirsty was like I don't think so I think like for the rest of our lives we're going to be you know making sure that our kids are okay so even when you kind of you know they've flown the nest they've got their own families and stuff like I'm still going to want to know they're okay yeah Um, and I think that's just a deep rooted part of parenting that it's just it's just it's a massive shame when a parent doesn't have that for their for their child but i think most parents do and i don't think it goes
1: yeah and i i can um, i can see how that same that same um instinct was was present for my parents and and that they they really did think that they were doing the best thing because the thought of having their child burning in hell was much worse than having me be afraid <laughs> during yeah. during the day <laughs> So it's a tough one for me to kind of kind of squ- square out it, how my parents um, thought they were doing the best thing by teaching me these things.
0: Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? I know. Mm. Um, like I've got a really good good memory. I, I, I love my dad, love my brothers. Um, they're, they're, they're all believers, which is fine. Um, but I've got a really vivid memory of us all sat around late at night. And my dad's there reading from the Bible, which he did very often on on an evening kind of he's a a really good like narrator so he's fantastic at kind of bringing stories to life and he'd he'd read bible stories especially from the new testament and kind of really help us understand them um but i just remember one of my brothers really wanting to become a christian because of the fear of hell because of the fear of kind of damnation and that separation from god who is the source of all goodness so even if you don't want to be a christian if you want goodness in your life you should you should become a christian because that that god is the source of that goodness right without god those things aren't there and when you're in hell you're without god so you, you're without any goodness essentially um and just even that idea just really plagues on the mind and it's um you know my, my dad was doing this from a place of like he and he still does so like he fervently believes that hell is a real place and that you know if i don't come to terms with that and if i don't begin to believe again then that's a place that i'm destined to go to um and for me kind of it, my my dad's might view it as i'm trying to do all I can to convince myself that hell is not real because in my heart, I know it's real. Whereas I'm coming from a place of, I believe hell to be real because I was brought up to believe it to be real, not because it is actually real. If that makes sense. I think that's a really Mm -hmm. weird distinction that Christians see it from one side and, and people that have left the faith see it from the other side. And it's just, there seems to be this bridge or this gap that's really, really hard to navigate.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, it's like, you've stepped outside of that bubble. And it's really hard to communicate sometimes to the people who are still in it because it's a closed system for them. Like yeah. if, you, if you're not agreeing or if you don't see it the way they see it, like you you're deceived or you're, you know, you're tricking yourself. And and it's it's pretty hard to, con, you know, it's pretty hard to get them to trust you that you are being honest about how you're approaching it now mm. because there is part of their theology part of the way that they see people is um, kind of black and white, kind of in or out. Um, yeah. But there is only one in, <laughs> like, <laughs> does that make sense? Like, yeah. It's very, very tricky having those it's- conversations.
0: it's 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 near impossible so i am um, i i'm i'm a big fan of bart ehrman who's and he's an atheist mm-hmm. um the theologian I'm, I'm I'm sure you've heard of him um and you know i'm chatting to my dad my dad's kind of talking about talking to me about hell and i was saying um you know look so my, my dad's like a, a basically like a pastor he's he, he knows loads of stuff he's on like bible college and all that sort of stuff so he's not like a just an everyday um kind of christian he really he does loads of reading he's like a big john MacArthur fan he's like you know, very conservative evangelical um, figure um, and he's an absolutely great guy and his heart's in the right place but I was just kind of saying to him like I, I kind of think Jesus was talking about annihilation mm-hmm. or at least this idea of God's coming soon and therefore how we interpret hell in New Testament potentially is wrong and it isn't actually hell it's this sort of kind of like this this casting out and this kind of ending of people who don't kind of fit into the kingdom of God. Um, And this was like an interesting concept to him. And he was like, okay, I can kind of see what you're saying, but I don't agree with it. I was like, that's absolutely fine. I kind of explained that, you know, Bart Ehrman kind of has this great book on, on heaven and hell, which has really helped me to overcome Mm -hmm. some of my fears of heaven and hell and, and kind of understand where they've come from and like Dante's Inferno and all this sort of stuff kind of help us understand this imagery that we've created. And we kind of tell our kids um, about hell um, and what was really interesting is kind of like I was reflecting with my dad that you know Bart, Bart Ehrman or whoever you're going to read they all have an axe to grind um, and you know for, for my dad viewing Bart Ehrman my dad would say or any kind of Christian would say that and especially someone like N.T. Wright potentially would say um, you know Bart Ehrman his, his axe he's grinding is trying to cast seeds of doubt within potentially religious people's minds so that they would begin to question the things that they believe to be as gospel um, whereas someone like you know N.T. Wright or C.S. Lewis or whoever you want to read uh, J- J- John MacArthur as my dad would read and um, they're trying to sow seeds of salvation in your mind um, and it's just kind of being able to kind of st- even take a step back behind that and go everybody has something they're trying to say but some people are trying to say it because they want to honestly reflect on the texts and the way they've come about and other people want to want to talk about it because they have an agenda which is that God is real and you should believe in him and if you don't believe in him you're going to burn for all time and it, it's really hard to convince Christians that someone who isn't a Christian can honestly look at the Bible and talk about it um so it's, yeah I mean it's just it's just seems like a really difficult bridge to cross and that's just a long spiel I'm aware it doesn't really go no
1: anywhere, I but... I, I love Bartman. I I read a lot of his books um, last year when I was when I was going through this, and I just I read his recent book on Heaven and Hell, um, and I, I, subscribed yeah. blo- I subscribed to his blog. I subscribe to his blog, and I just find it all very fascinating. And he was a big a big part of my deconstruction of um of my faith, and in particularly just piquing my interest in early Christianity, um, and even just the history the history going on there. And now. I, I can I love it and I still read it. I find it very fascinating. Um, seeing the context in which Christi- Christianity came about, um, seeing the other cultural cult- cultural influences, um, and looking back even at, at Judaism, like that was a probably the biggest part for me. Even before his book came out, I I started listening to rabbis and trying to understand what was the Jewish view of the afterlife and realizing that they don't really have a eternal conscious torment. Um, idea that that to me probably was the the turning point for me in my fear of hell was that like Jesus at this point I was probably still I was still kind of leaning leaning Christian um, yeah. Jesus was a Jew so the maybe the best um, idea that to get where he was coming from was to listen to um, more of the Jewish history and, and digging in to that area to get a better idea and then from there looking at like kind of the Greek culture and seeing the influence yeah. there. And for me, it, it, just kind of all makes sense now. I'm like, okay, so there was these influences and that influences. And like you said, like the later on um, literature that was written, like Dante's Inferno and other influences that kind of all um, came together to the modern evangelical view of hell. Um, it, it, it just makes sense more from a, Oh, quote objective view <laughs> when you're looking from the outside yeah, in, yeah. it makes sense. It's like it's a it's a pattern that kind of grew over time.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I kind of feel like as well, like if 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 we're both wrong, right? And and God is real, and we end up realizing that when we've died. Um, like I really, I really hope it's a it's a position, or I would expect it to be a, a position. This is, this is what I tell Christians, kind of give them hope, is that I can honestly turn around and go like, I definitely looked for you. And I definitely Mm. searched as hard as I could. Like, I didn't choose to not believe in you. I I honestly wanted to believe in you, but I couldn't find enough evidence to say that you're real. Um, And that was the hardest part. So it would have been great if you'd have planted more seeds of faith or given me more signs or miracles or something to help me go, no, actually, I'm going to put my cards on this person. Of, of that is jesus um because they just weren't there and i kind of feel like it'd be really hard for god to go no you're still going to go to hell um and obviously i'm aware that i don't actually believe that's true but i just trying to try, try and give that to christians to kind of go you know it isn't like we're going no we know god's real but screw that we're going to do our own thing mm-hmm. like we are definitely trying to engage with the with the, the texts with different authors different podcasts blogs podcast uh, sorry youtube channels whatever it is and actually kind of go like well what do other people believe why do they believe it and actually go okay this isn't this isn't adding up and i think that's a, a big a big thing and, and a really good thing is to is to be really honest with with your beliefs because so many people just aren't they're just very happy believing what they've been taught or believing what their past teach them or basically being spoon-fed stuff and there's very few people that are actually willing to go away look at all this stuff come back and still hold a faith um, i think that's a really big thing that people just don't want to talk about
1: yeah I, I i totally agree i i've been asked that before too like if if it if it was true afterwards like well, well, you know what will you, what will happen or whatever, and I I just I have the same kind of feeling. I'm like I know myself, and I know that I have gone about this in the most honest way I can, and that if I would have a lot of questions, very similar to you, like mm. I I looked very very hard for you, um and it yeah it wasn't it how come I would have a question more like how come I wasn't convinced like I that I trust myself a little more now to know that I have been honest and that I'm trying to continue to be honest. Um, And, and yeah, I am still looking at, I I read a lot of stuff from different different people and I'm trying to like take all this different information and trying to be like a little less emotional about it, I guess, is a Mm. part of, part of it to weigh it out and see, see how it feels and also think try to think about it a little bit more before I, I don't know the yeah. internal honesty it's hard when people try to tell you that you don't have that and it, it is kind of a form of gaslighting
0: yeah it is I, I love that term yeah. gaslighting um yeah it's great I'm hearing it a lot on podcasts right now which is which is fine I just, it's really interesting how things take trends um I'm talking about kind of that, that that emotional and intellectual honesty so I've I've been reading or rereading for I don't know the 11th time probably now in my life um especially since I've deconverted I've been rereading Narnia um and every episode I talk about C.S. Lewis this is my this is my C.S. Lewis plug um so I've been rereading Narnia I'm now on I've just finished book five which is Voyage of the Dawn trailer there's two more books to go um and I've I've literally found myself crying at every single book I'm I'm not really a crier um so even like when my grandma died and stuff I didn't really cry that much and you know I've had close friends that have died and things and, and not really cried but I find myself like really emotional that kind of aslan and this sort of figure that kind of arrives and does these amazing feats and stuff um and especially in, in voyage of the dawn Treader, there's this is bit at the very end where he kind of says um well like lucy and edmund i, I don't are, are you familiar with *Narnia* by the way
1: i'm not really actually i i, I have never read them
0: Okay, that's fine. I'm going to tell you this bit, and I'm going okay. to explain why I found it really powerful. Anyway, because I love C.S. Lewis. Um, so, so there's this bit at the very end of Voice of the Dawn Treader*, which is the fifth book, um, which and, and they're definitely worth reading. They're they're really really good. Um, and basically, um, there's this character called Aslan, who's meant to be Jesus within the Narnian world. And um, these these two people that have gone to Narnia called Lucy and Edmund are saying, um, you know, are we ever going to come back here? Because they're 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 just young kids. And Aslan, who is this Jesus figure, turns around says, No, you're now too old. Um, but in your world, I'm known by a different name, and you've come to know me here so that by knowing me here, you might know me better there. Um, and it's like a really powerful, like, oh my goodness, that's so. That's so moving, and I can remember reading it back, especially when I was a Christian, going like, "This is absolutely beautiful that we're we're seeing Jesus in this figure of Aslan throughout these books in, in Narnia, is so that we might know Him better in, in in this world that we're that we're living in now." Um. So anyway, I finished finished Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and I was really really upset and emotional. Um, and then the next thing I listened to was a podcast by a guy called Dan Carlin, who does this podcast called Hardcore History. Now you might not know what that is. Do, do you know what Hardcore History is? The podcast? No,
1: I haven't, but it sounds like something I would love.
0: And yeah, so, so so Dan Carlin, Hardcore History, is is genuinely the best history podcast in the world. Um, he is it's been going for a, a good decade now. Um, he's very knowledgeable, talks to experts. Anyway, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Anyway, he did this podcast, um, looking at a specific ship that sunk um, during World War Two in the Pacific Ocean. So the Japanese uh, managed to uh, send a torpedo, kill blows people on the ship. Quite a few people got off the ship like a good 80 people were basically just floating in the sea the Japanese ship saw them just kind of carried on past and left them there um, and 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 so th- this, so I literally finished Voyage of the Dawn Trader. and I started listening to this this really hardcore hardcore history podcast as the name would suggest um which is definitely worth a listen and anyway basically most of these people ended up dying because this this big group of sharks ended up coming around them and for the next like 14 days just basically slowly picked off person by person by person And I was just reflecting, like, listening to this, going, like, imagine if you were one of the people in the water, knowing that you're going to die, just waiting, unable to get out of the water, unable to swim away, because if you swim away, you'd get picked off, like, having to kind of clump together with all these other men in the water after you've been away from your family for, you know, hundreds of days at war in this perilous condition, slowly being killed. And a few of them were rescued at the very, very end, Um, but most of them died. And it's just, like, this absolutely horrific situation. which is kind of known as kind of human evil or, or whatever you want to call it. And I was just like it's 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 a really weird mix of natural evil and human evil brought together. Like it was humans' fault that these humans were in the water, but nature mm. itself, i.e. sharks, were eating these people alive. And I was just like we don't see this loving character of Aslan in the actual world. Like, we really want him to be real. We really want this amazing God figure who cares about us, knows us, loves us, calls us by name, wants to have this interactive, loving relationship with us. We really want him to be true. But then when we look at the hard, cold realities of life and death, as this podcast definitely highlighted, and I was just like, he's just not there. And it just blew my mind. I was just like, I really want him to be real. I've been like weeping and really upset and really emotional. And then you you look at the world... And it just feels cold and bleak and hard, and you just don't see him.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, that was a massive spiel. Sorry.
1: No, I love it. Um, that I, th- I I I hear this a a little bit. Like it's different with different people. This con- the different concepts of God. Um, so mm. I feel like I had a different concept uh, of God growing up. Like the idea of the loving the loving Father and like the 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 nurturer, the comforter. Um, I really think that my view of God was a little bit more of a authoritarian, um, the judgment of like the, and the righteousness and the purity, like that was oh. kind of my, my concept of God. So when people talked about, talks talk about a loving, a loving, all loving, all good figure, um, some parts of that just doesn't doesn't make sense to me because I was taught uh, a kind of a different version of God. So a lot of people ask like why like how how did I deconstruct all the way out of Christianity um, instead of moving yeah. to a, a more of a progressive type of Christianity? And my only answer was that it just it doesn't make any sense to me because I I see the like kind of what you're saying like I see the disconnect in the real world. Um, And I see, I, I I know the passages that I would pick out to say, like these passages are very harsh Uh, in the the old test or the Hebrew Bible and the new Testament. There's, there's so much um, that I would look at and say that, like, that's, that is not my, how I would characterize a a loving figure. Um, And so I I just, I don't, I can't get there. I've, I've tried, I've, I've made friends with a lot of people who are more, progressive Christian and, and they have this concept of God that to me just seems, I, I just, I, I don't get it. I, I've tried. <laughs> um, but I just, it depends, I think on, on your concept that you were, you were raised with. And I think some people can successfully change their concept of God. Mm. And, and I just wasn't one of those people. <laughs> because I see, I do see the real world, real world disconnect. And I've experienced some of my own, my own suffering physically. And like I have a, I have a chronic illness, which has kind of had some pretty negative effects on my life throughout my teenage years in my 20s and my twenties and thirties and I've had some life threatening situations and surgeries. And, and I, I, I honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't really see that comforting loving God in those situations. It was very, it seemed very human what I was going through very mm. very naturalistic I guess if you if you look at the world in that way um, it would make sense yeah. that there's that there's um, mutations and genes and uh, that I just got the short stick I guess on that one um it makes more sense to me um, from a more of a naturalistic perspective now and I've actually felt like I've I've properly kind of process that now. And I feel a lot more at peace with even my own health issues since deconverting because now I don't have the, the reason like that. I, I don't have to blame myself. I don't have to um, look towards some sort of kind of magical ending where I won't have this anymore. I, I can accept that it's just part of being in a natural world. And yeah. it's not my fault. <laughs> And I'm just gonna cope the best that I can and be grateful for modern medicine that I'm I'm here right now. And, but I didn't see, I, and I still don't see how um, a loving God would have fit into those situations that I've even found myself in.
0: that's really powerful I, I i kind of wonder i wonder whether we created the idea of an all-loving god or when we created anesthetics um, <laughs> and the reason i say that is because if you, if you think about like if you think about the greco-roman time when jesus was around mm-hmm. like he was literally crucified I, I i i'm one of the people that believe that jesus was an actual person that was around that time that did actually die on the cross i think uh, as far as we can tell the gospels are accurate t- to that point i think when you begin to claim supernatural events that's a, that's a different story um but anyway there were definitely people that were crucified at that time right and that was like a really horrific thing to go through and then even kind of up until kind of like anesthetics became a real thing where you know sailors would be able to have their legs a- amputated without having anesthetics and mm-hmm. um, that that would have been horrific right imagine being a person that you know worked in a butcher shop realized that you had to come along and you know become a doctor basically on this weird like napoleon field hospital mm-hmm. saw this guy's leg off and it's just it's just horrific but these days obviously it's completely different And i kind of feel like we we now have created a version of Christianity which fits God into the twenty-first century and pretty Western view that that life should be for us all the time. Yeah. Um which is yeah, kind of totally. weird.
1: No, I, I I totally get what you're saying. Like, um yeah, I yeah, the concept that I grew up with was, you know, God cares about your holiness, not your happiness, not your necessarily your well-being, and he cares about your your righteousness and your sanctification and um I think it's kind of obvious when you start reading through the different, you know, even just the different theologians, and it it, it does shift with the culture how people are viewing God, mm. um, and it it's pretty constant. It seems that it, it's it's a sh- it's a moving target, um, and different people see it differently.
0: Yeah, potentially. I might be yeah. a be wrong, but no, if I, not, I, I'm going to claim that.
1: <laughs> no, I I kind of I get the I get the idea that you're that you're working with here is just that what's going on in our in our world does does impact how people are viewing their idea of um of a deity or a god mm.
0: and yeah it... I, oh, I, I, sorry Carol
1: well just like if i i look back on it so it's similar kind of idea like i had you know when you start doing those um ancestor things and you start looking at your family your origins yeah. and i actually found out a few years ago that my great great grandmother. Um, she had migrated to Canada or migrated, immigrated to Canada and that she had died at 32 from what was described as a condition, just like what I have. Um, wow. And it is a genetic disorder. And I, something about that was, was really hard for me to hear that, to know that, you know, just a hundred, a hundred or so years ago that my ancestor died from what I have. And now and now all of a sudden we have this medicine and now I'm able to I'm have a fairly normal life now, and that just seems so unfair <laughs> and so sad. Mm. and i I kind of wonder how I often think about her and wonder how she processed things because she she was I and mean, she came from a, a religious family. she raised my my grandfather who was religious and yeah, it's just really interesting how things change.
0: Yeah, I can totally see both sides. I can see Christians saying and listening to this and saying, you know, they understood that life wasn't all about today and right now and that when you died, that was when life really began. Um, mm-hmm. And I can also see people today like you, probably you and me going like we definitely needed religion to get through. Like mm-hmm. it would have been very bleak and very difficult to not believe in something after this life because you were losing babies especially 100 years ago like if you, mm-hmm. if you had eight kids six might make it till they're teenagers and maybe one till they're an adult like it was just horrific um and like you know you read accounts of people trying to produce a male heir for instance um within some sort of like historical king or like or like like dynasty line where they're trying to get a boy to become the next king like it's just it's brutal um, you know, we'd look at Edward the um, Edward the Eighth, I think it was the Eighth. I mean, anyway, he definitely had a lot of wives. Um, the guy that had six wives, King Edward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just this like brutal, brutal system where they're just trying to have a boy, and these these women are having girls, or they're having miscarriages, or they're dying whilst giving birth. And it's just this horrificness. And I, you, you can definitely see why why religion would be needed. But then again, the Christian would go, "Well, no, they 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 actually understood life more than we do today because we're so lucky." Um, BC, BC, but I like I see both sides, and that's what I was trying to get out yeah. with, with that. Bart Ehrman stuff like I don't think someone like Bart Ehrman is just trying to make people doubt I think he actually sees both sides and he's trying to give an honest account with that in mind um, whereas Christians will just deny that outright
1: yeah I can see both sides I, I can see both sides too and I I might I can see how, how crucial it was to have some hope for um, an afterlife or a, you know justice or whatever else that was, was part of the different uh, faith traditions like how would they have coped without some of the you know luxuries of of our day now medicines and our life extension is so much more now um our, most of our children yeah. seem to be okay yeah yeah
0: and, and and if they're not we'll know about it before they're born more often than not especially in the yeah. west like will be able to have those scans and know and then actually okay things aren't okay well we can begin to have those conversations about what the right the right course of action is which you know even 20 years ago would have been extremely difficult mm-hmm.
1: it's, it, uh,
0: it's weird the, how it the changes
1: ab- the absolute the pace that we're going at now um is fascinating and to think of where we'll be in another by the time I, like our kids are, are our age like what kind of world are they going to be in and i wonder with yeah. the I wonder what the concept of God will be in 30 years from now.
0: It's going to be different, right? This, this yeah. podcast will be very out of date. That's for sure. But <laughs> um, that's okay. I think we're we're hopefully capturing this sort of like um this I, I I call it like a Polaroid, but you take a picture of today. And in 100 years' time, someone will look back and go, "Isn't it weird that they had these conversations about God? Like God isn't a thing, or or God is the only thing, or whatever." Like whatever. Yeah. Why are, we, world they're why are in
1: they so Why were they so worried about it?
0: <laughs> yeah. What is this? What's this rapture thing they keep talking about? That's, yeah. that's weird. Um, it's funny in it. Funny how it goes. Um, okay, cool. Uh, I don't want to kind of like drop away from the the other things we were talking about. So it's kind of just bringing us back to to not the beginning of the conversation, but near the beginning. Um, you were kind of mentioning how um, mental health was quite a big element to your to your deconstruction, deconversion. Um, I forget the word you use precisely. Forgive me. Um, but I kind of wanted to ask you today erin when you were if if you were to kind of and i asked this from quite a lot of people so you might have heard me say this before but if you were to send a tweet back to yourself um back when you were first beginning to ask these questions or even before that if you could like what what would be the things that you'd be trying to say to yourself um then
1: i'm not sure exactly how i would like how i would word this but i would like to get across to my younger self that it it, it's not your fault like all the things that have kind of had Happened, it's not your fault you didn't do anything wrong and it's going to be okay like I think I would just want to comfort her because I think I, I look back and I see just how much mental stress I was in um over like blaming myself for things blaming myself for having doubts um blaming myself for our being sick um and it just, I just I remember things just looked pretty bleak at that time and I, I'd like to like send back a little bit of encouragement to my younger self to say like you're gonna you're gonna learn that there's a lot of this that you that's not your fault that you couldn't help um and that just keep going and that it's going to be okay like just mm. keep just keep keep reading keep learning um things are going to be very different a year from now
0: yeah that's that's really good I think that there are two more things I want to pick on before I kind of talk about where you are today and, and, mm-hmm. and where things are going for you and your journey. Um, and that was kind of along, along the mental health stuff. Um, kind of, and I, I guess it kind of fits in with, with, with the chronic illness you're talking about, and I'm not going to kind of ask you to divulge what that is or anything like that at all, but um, kind of if, if someone was to realize that they were losing their faith and to realize that they had a chronic illness and, you know, that their, their life was maybe going to be cut short or, or anything um, kind of, and obviously, a lot of people find hope. And um, uh, by the way, if this question is too much. Feel free to say, and we'll just skip over it and um, and 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 move on. But if if someone was to reach out to you, Aaron, and say, kind of, look, hey, look, I'm really ill, and I've not got long, and actually, um, or you know, my, my life's going to be in some sort of kind of different sort of form than I thought it would be. Um, w- obviously God gives hope and God gives a reason behind stuff and, and you've mentioned rightly that kind of these things make more sense in a, in a naturalistic evolution framework and I completely agree and um, that's definitely something that really affected me as well um, but what would you do to or what would you say to somebody who was asking these questions and was just really really scared that they were losing their faith but also aware that they needed to have that hope or that comfort to be able to continue in their life if that makes sense I might have avoided that really wrong so forgive me if that's a crap question but
1: yeah. <laughs> no i i i've ha- i have had people reach out to me and and share and i i before I kind of became an activist in this area um, I actually did a lot of uh work on instagram representing my my chronic illness community and so I've had these conversations a lot actually um not necessarily in the in the faith um avenue now I'm starting to get that crossover um i I think i would i would <laughs> Want to direct them in the in the things that we know help people. Some of the things that have helped me are um, different philosophies. Um, optimistic nihilism is one of them. Uh, stoicism, a okay. couple of those those kind of philosophies have like really helped me kind of reframe the way that I look at my life, e- even with the the hurdles. And I personally have found more peace. Having a more mindful life than to be pinning kind of my hopes on something in the after in the afterlife, um, regardless of whether it exists it exists or not. I think that people live better lives um, and feel better about their situations, whatever it is, when they have kind of learned to be more mindful of the current the current moment and to take opportunities that they have in their day to day. I've read a lot of really good books that have been really inspiring with that. Um, so it's, I would often point them to some of these other philosophies that seem to be um, more life-giving, if you will, <laughs> like the
0: nice, yeah, the
1: current for current joy and finding current like peace, even in, in tough dire situations. Um, there's a couple of really great speakers out there. Um, Dave Warnock is the one that I've often pointed people to. Um, he has a terminal illness and he's he's not a believer and he spends a lot of time um, speaking on that and how he's he's choosing to have his final final days here um just there's there's lots of other ways to have a good life even if it's not perfect um, here and now
0: yeah yeah yes yeah, that's, that's really well said yeah dave Dave warnock I, i've spoken to him actually I, it was before i started the podcast but he's um mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a he was a pastor, wasn't he? And then decided to not yeah. decided he he realized he didn't believe anymore, and that's um he's living with is it is it M S he's got um A L S yeah 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 he's, he's a great you, guy yeah.
1: we've we've um done a um a live stream together, and he's he's just he inspires me even I don't have a, a terminal mm-hmm. illness, but he's inspired me to kind of live my best might live my best life, um even though I I do have some challenges
0: yeah i think this is this is this is is the big thing people don't think about and this is really dark or very deep so like sorry i wasn't planning for this episode to to talk about this stuff so much um i appreciate that um so like this is a big thing i think the the reality is we've all got a finite amount of time this is something that sam harris picks up on a bit in his so i i'm a, I'm a big fan of his his app waking up which is like mm-hmm. a like a meditation mindfulness kind of being present in this moment sort of app and it's really helped me um especially kind of working through these early morning problems i'd get up and i'd, I'd listen yeah. to a um to like a meditation basically
1: i've, I've read um, his waking up book it's really good
0: yeah it's it, he's, he's a really really interesting guy i think some of the things he says on on his morality stuff is is not where i'd go but most of the time he's pretty bang on with this sort of stuff and yeah um, with
1: his mental health um, stuff and he's great yeah
0: Yeah. he's fantastic yeah yeah i think i I try and keep them both very separate he's like atheist um sort of like mantra and he's kind of like helping people with mental health through mindfulness i think i try and keep it separate and i think he does as well which which i appreciate um but anyway on on one of these episodes is um basically him talking about how all we really have is right now like that there will be a last time and he used the example of kind of going skiing like he, he took his skis off like 12 years ago and he didn't think as he was taking them off that would be the last time he'd do that thing but there'll be a last time that you can pick up your kid there'll be a last time that you can you know go to the supermarket or that you'll be in a certain house or that you'll see somebody and it's just this weird concept that and missing and, and that we never think about that, that there will be a last time to whatever it is like we we love to live in this consistent narrative of my life is the same every single day and it's just not and i think i found it really helpful to begin to grasp this idea that every day is different every interaction is different and nothing is nothing is the same as as, as it was um Even though it might feel the same, like even if my kids might kind of greet me in the morning the same way they did yesterday, it will be different. Um, And not that that means that we should mourn yesterday, but it it should be that we should enjoy today um, and this moment right now. And actually, if we can live in the right now, more often than not, we can make the most of it. Um, And something he said, which I found really helpful, this this idea that um, the only things that you're going to regret are the moments that you weren't as present as you could be. And no. I found that really powerful. Like, If we can learn to be present in this moment right now, then we can get the most out of it that we possibly can. And it's not just for us to be like selfishly kind of indulgent, but it's for us to honestly engage with what is happening right now. That could be you're at a funeral, or it could be that you're at the birth of a child. It could be anything, you know, but actually mm-hmm. being present right now enables us to really make the most and to live without those regrets, which I found really powerful. It's obviously impossible to be present all the time. So you're going to have regrets, but it's, it's a nice idea.
1: No, I, I, t- I totally agree. And I, I get asked a lot. Um, I think this kind of ties into that. People ask me, like, do you miss the spiritual side of it? And I I mean, we can talk about definitions of spiritual, but I I have tried to communicate that I feel like I am a much more spiritual person now um, than I was before, because I, I can yeah. I can be like looking at my kids and, and they're doing something. And I'm just like, that's just so beautiful. Like, this is so awesome. I can't believe that I'm here right now. And I have these like two beautiful kids and they're doing something really funny. And the, you know, the sun will be shining through the window. And I'm like, this is just so it's spiritual, I guess. Like I can go for a, a yeah. walk in, a walk in the woods and look around. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is amazing. Um, I've become a little bit more, I think of like a hippie, I think since I deconverted <laughs> um, music, like I've always been really into music. I, I played bass guitar on the worship team. Like I, I feel like I can just fully immerse myself in music now just for the, just for the hell of it. Like I just, I can crank Mm. up, you know, like when, not when my kids are in the car, but I crank up the music in my car and (laughs) go for a drive. And I'm like, this is just like, I'm trying to live these moments um, with just such a deep appreciation for the fact that I I'm, I'm living it. Um, And I, when I think back to my days as a Christian and when I, when I kind of look at some of my family members, I feel like, I feel kind of sad sometimes because I feel like they are missing out on so much because they, they are looking towards what's next and they, I mean, I, I don't know if, if I, if they are missing out, but like, I, I feel like they're, they could be experiencing things and, and having more present moments. I feel like that idea of not really being present is there for a lot of people um, when their their highest priority is what happens after this life. And um, there's a lot of, of, Kind of wasted moments um, in that kind of of a philosophy, that, that idea that this isn't, this is just a pit stop to the next thing, hmm. um, and part of me just feels really sad about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, it's um, it's a tragedy, really. I think when you, as, you know, as Sam Harris's book says, have woken up, um, you begin to see things in a different way, and actually you become very appreciative appreciative of what you have and i kind of wonder as well like if if it's possible for a christian to wake up and realize that there is this viewpoint of seeing things that is completely different to, to how they've seen things um i don't know like i kind of i kind of hope that that's possible one day but we'll see I think,
1: it, I think the the more we um talk about it and i think this is kind of why i do it why i have these conversations with people because again it's that trying to talk to somebody who's inside this closed closed system like they they have an idea that without the hope of you know the afterlife and the hope of um you know all the, whatever their different theologies are um mm. that the only the only option from there is total nihilism and and that you will lack all purpose enjoy joy meeting in your life and that's just that's just not true i mean i i know that it, there is a risk for some people to um I, there are people that when they lose their faith like they do they do struggle um but that's not the only option. That's not what happens to everybody. And and the more people I talk to, the more I would say, more often than not, uh, people have they're happier. They're they're enjoying their lives a lot more now. They're definitely not hopeless. Um, their hope is in this life yeah. now. Yeah, their meaning has grown. Their appreciation's grown. Um, and that's just an, a message that we need to work on to to continue to have that conversation so that maybe, maybe we will get through to some of them that like they can see us by our fruits. That if we're, if we're living good lives, like then it doesn't necessarily, <laughs> there, I mean, there's some, there's some, some passages that do have some truth in them. Like you'll know them by their fruits, I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to continue to have conversations. Yeah, and and
0: you'll
1: yeah. let people see, see what I'm actually, what my life is like now and that it's, it's okay. It's okay to, to leave.
0: Definitely. I think that's a big thing. Yeah, I you know, just touching on that. Very briefly, I think a lot of people like they they just reject everything the Bible says because it's, you know, it's potentially spiked from the things that they've been taught. But I think you're right. There are some passages that have some some weight. And it's especially within within the West and, and our society, like our society has been shaped upon the Bible and our interpretation of the Bible. And, um, you know, this whole kind of idea of looking at somebody and seeing how they are and what they do is really prevalent within society and actually yeah you're right we can show that we aren't all just kind of cowering under the stairs panicked that the nuclear bomb's going to go off in a moment but actually we're, we're living and enjoying and investing and making the most out of today um i think that'd be really powerful i guess to kind of focus on you and the future and stuff i just wanted to kind of just ask you and, and kind of pick your brains about kind of um how you're doing now i'm aware that kind of you've got um you know loads of followers on twitter well compared to me anyway um and you've you've kind of got a a a voice in in this community that um i think a lot of other people look up to and and really respect and um i think sort of the the things you say and 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 the way you present yourself has really kind of touched and and moved a lot of people erin i just kind of wanted to ask you kind of um kind of like where you are now and and where you're going with this and kind of what your ambitions and your dreams are. Cause I'm aware this, this is all kind of um, obviously not directed by God. So kind of uh, very much directed by you. So what what are your thoughts and and feelings for for where you are now and, and for the future?
1: Um, I, I kind of fell, I kind of fell into where I am now. I, it was never, um, I never kind of intended to do this, but I, I, I started off just kind of needing a space to, um, to voice what I was going through so I I I'd never even been on Twitter before um before I made the account that I have now that most people know me by um so I I just started talking I just started having like you know these honest little thought thought moments and I'd put them on Twitter and honestly I was kind of surprised when so many people would be like yeah that's that, that yeah that's exactly what it was like or this is that's well well said or well worded or and I, people started sharing and, and like, I, I, it grew very organically. And I, I just kept talking, even there was moments where I was like, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I should say this, <laughs> but um, my, my policy for myself, I guess, was just to always just be as honest as I could be. And from, from that, I started having people ask me if they, if I'd have these conversations and like, I, we had talked a little bit before the show, like I was really nervous before um, this is very out of character for me to to be doing these public conversations, but something just was it just kind of felt right. I, I went for it. I thought, we'll see how it goes and I just I loved it. I loved having these conversations. Um, every time I have one, I learn I learn more about you know what's going on in other people's minds. Um, I learn more about myself. I reflect a little bit more. I often come away from these conversations sit down with my journal and have a bunch more thoughts. Um, it just feels like a, a lot of progress happened really quickly over a short amount of time. Um, and so my, kind of my goals now have shifted that I, I wanna do more of this. I have done quite a few uh, YouTube live streams with people. I've been asked if I'm gonna start a, a channel or a podcast or something like that. I think I am headed in that direction. And my goal is just to continue to have conversations. I think that one of the things missing right now is some of maybe more female voices in the deconstruction community, (laughs) deconversion community. It doesn't really matter, I guess, to me how how you say that. Um, And just to kind of be a soft place for people to land who are questioning, because um, you feel very alone when you start having these doubts and you start having, you kind of accidentally fall into this deconstruction. So I'd like to, create some more space for people, especially, I think I have obviously a soft spot for people who are young moms. And, you know, they're, in my experience was I was deconstructing and I was going through these big shifts in my, in my thoughts and the way I was looking at the world. And I was, I was doing it while making spaghetti for my kids. And that was like a very weird kind of isolating feeling. And so I, I want to help those people feel less alone who are in that exact same situation.
0: That's amazing. And talking about Twitter and kind of, and you, how, how can people get hold of you and, 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 follow your stuff?
1: So right now I'm, I, I am pretty well just on Twitter um, under it's, it's X Christian Aaron, but it's spelled E X X T I A N Aaron E R I N. Um, and if you use that same, that same handle, if you put it into t- to YouTube, you'll find quite a few different shows and, and uh, episodes I've been on. I, I met with Seth Andrews in the spring and I've been on Truth Wanted with uh, Dan and just done, I've done quite a few conversations now and each one's just a little bit different and I, I'm gonna keep doing them as well. So that's where you can find me for now. Possibly one day I will start a YouTube channel and it'll probably be under the same the same name, but I'm just not quite sure when that would be. <laughs>
0: No, that's cool. These things are always good to kind of plan out and work through and, um, and yeah, do when you're ready. I think that's a big thing. A lot of people sometimes jump into things before they're ready, but yeah, I'm sure you'll know when the time is right and uh, yeah, do it. Definitely do it.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Well, there we go. And I hope you enjoyed that episode. This is just to say that you can find links to us on social media, Patreon, or the blog directly below. We would absolutely love to hear from you as your comments and suggestions help to drive this podcast forwards. So please reach out and until next time, this is Sam signing off for When Belief Dies.